you've actually for the first time gone completely just wedding photography haven't you recently whereas yeah. you were a weekend warrior for a very long time yeah. which yeah, is a great thing well. and it'd be nice to know your opinion on whether you even you might not even know this yet because it's quite recent whether or not there are advantages or disadvantages of that because some people might be thinking do i make the jump or do i not but oh mate i i've been doing this for so long as a i've been in that weird position yes but we can talk about it on the thing uh, we yeah, can talk yeah, about yeah. it no absolutely yeah, yeah. But to be fair like so this is the third podcast i still don't know really yeah. what i'm doing um but that <laughs> i'm absolutely winging it but i'm enjoying it and um ultimately it, it's i started it because i was like i really want to like help people out and it also gives me an excuse to talk to people which i know we are allowed out a bit more now but when i started yeah. this, i was like god i'm so bored and i just oh man yeah. but there's because i don't know whether you know that i do the photography training and yes most people that do that it's they're just it's just a hobby but there are some yeah. people that, that that want to get into business with it and i'm like well it's that sort of stuff that most photographers don't really talk about um, yeah. or they, you, you do, but it's kind of nice to be able to go, the information's out there, but most of us that have been in this for so long, it's trial, it's work, you figure out as you go. Uh, yeah. And it's nice to get different pieces of information, not just from, you're the actual first photographer that I've spoken to. Uh, yeah, I'm honoured. I, I am honoured. A surface designer, the first podcast, and that was about, going green and then i spoke to a barber in my last one and that and he literally just opened his shop up yesterday for the first time and he'd been working as a barber for 16 years and it was all about him going on his own so there's just some nice it's not all photography related having yeah. said that oh excuse me i just edit that out yeah you don't want it all photography related otherwise you'll only get photographers following you which yeah you don't want. which is fine i mean we're all a great bunch um but no, we're not we're all a bunch of <laughs> One of the um, one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you, predominantly, is because as far as I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you're the you're the you're the, you're the kit guy, the guy I go to when <laughs> I speak about yeah. You. And something that's that's really um, interested me for a long time is this notion that you don't need good kit to be a good photographer. Um, and what's your what is your opinion on that that position um do you need good gear to be a good photographer so the the, the short answer to that i think is yes okay. um you i think there is a relationship okay it's good. not it's not something that i'd say you know if i had bad gear can i still take a good photo uh, yeah probably could yeah um and i think my opinion is that often people say that for two reasons right um, firstly some people use it as an excuse because they don't have good equipment okay um, and and i think that is less of a thing nowadays because equipment has become a lot cheaper yes. i think when i started out a lot of the newer photographers who didn't quite have the let's call them professional range of equipment would sort of say oh it's the photographer that makes the photo not the equipment and and to a certain extent yes that's true but the other reason and and the two sort of merge into one i guess um it's not a mutually exclusive thing you know it's not a case of a good photographer can only use bad equipment and a bad photographer can only use good equipment 
you know, a good photographer using great equipment is going to get even better photos. Yeah. So yeah. does it matter? Yes. Um, but how much does it matter? That is the question. And the answer to that is it depends. Yeah, that's a fair point. And it's actually interesting because we've never actually probably spoken about this personally, but that's basically the position that I have. And I've always found it quite funny when, when you, you hear a lot of photographers talk about how uh, equipment doesn't matter and I'm like well it does to a point and it does about certain things and when I'm teaching um, people at photography I come at it from the point of view of there is a point at which getting better gear will get you better results but it, there is also a point of diminishing returns so you absolutely spend way too much and not get so yeah. and that's where it gets a bit complicated However, I would argue that if you were a professional, there's a certain level of gear that you need um, that may not necessarily be something, especially new people, even or people coming into it, probably wouldn't consider, like dual card yeah. slots, uh, a professional body that can withstand a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. I think when uh, one of the things I see a lot online is people arguing that, you know, when someone says, oh, this camera's got dual card slots and that one doesn't, therefore you should get the dual ca card slot. You'll always get someone saying, yeah, but film only only had one roll of film, didn't you? You know, you didn't have a backup then. No, you didn't. Um, uh, and my answer to that is, well, when I were a kid, we didn't have seatbelts in the back of the car. Uh, yeah. My dad didn't wear a seatbelt when we were driving. It doesn't mean it's a good idea in 2021. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, great, you know. great answer. And, and, and the last thing I want to do is have that awkward conversation with the bride. Mm. Um, you know, that, oh, um, card corrupted. And I have had card corruptions at weddings. Yeah, I have. Um, I have. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the bride, touch wood, never noticed because I had another backup. Um, in fact, I remember one wedding in 2019, um, I had a dual card slot failure. Um, it, wow. you know, it, yeah, both cards failed. Uh, or the well, I think it's more the camera. The the camera for whatever reason miswrote to both cards, um, and it just wouldn't do anything. So luckily, my wife was with me at the time. Um, she took the camera away, um, quickly took the card out and put them in the laptop and copied all the files off. Meanwhile, I used my backup camera, of course, carried on shooting, and luckily we only lost two photos. And because I tend oh, wow. to overshoot anyway. Um, you know, and, and it was the groups that we were shooting. It wasn't anything that the bride ever noticed, but yeah. it can happen. It's what might be a one in a million chance, but it's not how many photos it. we take. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and if that was one card, oh, mate, yeah, I wouldn't want to know what happened, what no. could have happened. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's definitely that kind of. That's the thing for me. It's it's especially when people are paying you to do this job. Why wouldn't you have as much security as possible? Like. Yeah. Why wouldn't you make sure that I, I always have two bodies on both dual card slots because ultimately if one body fails, at least I've got something else. And then I've got a backup, you know, I'm probably over cautious, you know. No, I don't think you are. Um, I have a few times dropped my camera, yeah. um, gone down to one camera and it's never felt comfortable. Um, no. I remember once uh, I dropped the camera just before the bride came in and church um, so I was down to one camera all the way through the church, which was fine. And then I actually 
rang a friend who brought me his spare camera during the uh, wow. wedding breakfast. So I was back up to two again, just so that I did have a spare in case I was clumsy yeah. again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nowadays it, it's just not worth the effort. Um, the uh, risk, sorry. And, you know, you don't have to spend the earth to get dual card slots. You don't have to, even to get good cameras these days. Cameras have come a long way. Oh, no. Yeah, technology's moved on so much now. Even the, you know, when we talk about does gear matter, I think you made a very good point. Um, you know, nowadays, even entry-level cameras in the right hands can take very, very good photographs. Yes. Um, it's not an excuse for having poor gear, but that, yeah. that bar is much lower now than it used to be. Absolutely. And I, the same is with lenses as well. So obviously lenses are a bit more probably complicated in terms of there's, there's too many out there to decide from. But when it comes to cameras, there's definitely, I would argue there's a mid range of lenses that aren't so expensive that are still good enough to do, to do certain jobs with. Um, I actually think you've been, uh, yeah. Um, well, put it this way. I've, switched full circle now i think when i started i was always getting the best lenses that i could afford yeah um and they generally were bigger lenses like the 1.4 lenses yep, you know yep. the big 70 to 200s um and nowadays i've actually gone a full circle um okay. because as you said the lenses are more than good enough now yep. um I, I the priority for me now is small and light so yep. i've purposely gone for the smaller more compact lens just because um does anyone really see the difference? I argue well, they can't unless they're really being anal and pixel peeping. Yeah, so this is where I kind of come up against, I want my lenses to be a certain level of quality, but I don't mind how much I pay for, like, I don't mind if they cost me less. Like, I'm not bothered about how they feel. It's the results that I get. Um, so recently I, I sent back a, the Sigma 24 to 70 f 2.8 um, because I was still getting barrel distortion on people's faces at, on the right hand side that I used to get with my old Canon and I, I thought oh, they'll have fixed it by now and it's and that frustrates me and I know it's most people won't ever notice it but when I zoom in and see people's faces that are on the right they're, they're warped compared to the center and I was like I, I can't live with that but that that's not, that sounds weird. That sounds like yeah, I mean, the lens is wrong. It could have been something with that. Yeah. Um, so I sent that back, but then that makes me reluctant to want to invest in that lens again. I'd probably, if I was going to get a 2470, I'd probably go up, up to the Sony one because I've had a bad experience with it. But that doesn't, yeah. that's probably a bad, bad yeah. logic, really. Because yeah, the, the, the Sony one's not perfect. Um, right. I think I had to send it back a while back for a very similar issue, but then I did drop it on concrete and <laughs> it came back supposedly fixed, um, but I don't think it was. So I, I had to send it back for a similar issue, but I can't say that's the Sony's fault because after a you know, after a smash, then um, yeah, you know, absolutely, it, it could well have been me. <laughs> so that, fair enough. So ultimately, if would you say then that if you were just a hobbyist, then maybe gear, you probably get as good gear as you can afford? Um, or does it not matter? I, I think like you said, there's a certain level. Um, and then once you've got that gear, you need to learn how to use it. And I think that's where education is more important than yeah. the actual lens. 
and and once you know i think you will get to the point where you naturally understand why you need to upgrade rather than just want to upgrade because it's the latest and shiny gear and, and mate i went through it I, you know when i started out i totally went through this i bought every new shiny lens that came out um, because partly because that's the technical person in me um i like shiny new gear and partly because you know it, it's like a kid at christmas isn't it you're getting a new present every time the amazon man came he opened it up he's like oh a new present um so yeah. i tried so many different lenses and flashes and cameras um but yeah it's 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 settled and i think now i definitely would value education over over equipment um, okay. in fact i recently made that decision um, all right yeah, I, I was busy saving up for the latest and greatest Sony camera that was going to come out. And when it came out, it was so expensive. I think the A1 was like was it six and a half thousand pounds yeah. retail price. And I just looked at it and I thought, yeah, that's a good camera, but I can't justify that. Yeah. So um, I'm actually going to get, because my A9 now, which I've had for four years, um, you know, it, it's starting to get to the point where I'm thinking, you know, it's done quarter of a million clicks and uh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm starting to think I need a new one at some point, but I'll probably get an A9 again, another A9. Okay. I do love that camera and I'll spend the rest on some education. That's and a good just idea. Just to sort of, you know, because uh, I think that will be a better investment than spending six and a half thousand pounds on a, on a camera. And the marginal difference that I'll get from it is negligible. Absolutely. And that's really good advice, to be honest. Education is a massive part of what I do, uh, is, as in uh, what I spend my money on, because I think it's really important to never sit and think i'm good enough um you can sometimes make bad purchases with education like you can with gear you can sometimes agree but you have to risk that a little bit and yeah it's just yeah. yeah and uh, but over the years i've been on quite a few courses always trying to expand my horizons and i think again you get to a certain when you first start and you're first learning the the gains you get are very big yes they um, are. so you go on a workshop you come away and you think wow i've learned so much as you go on you have that same marginal effect where you go on a workshop and you're no longer coming back with oh my god i've learned so much but it's more a case of i've learned a little bit yeah and that little bit has cost you a lot to learn yeah <laughs> but yeah it might be in the future so yeah you could use that um with gear as well if you if you're going to yeah. be taking that chasing that ever friend ever ending perfection of gear you're going to say yeah. that i've uh, spent loads to get that little bit extra yeah yeah i mean you, you watch gear reviews now on youtube and when they're comparing lenses now they're really zooming in and talking about the different shape bokeh and yeah. you know this is the lens is ever so slightly sharper at the corners and the edges and it in the real world what what then happens you know you give a bride and groom their photos and they're looking at it on an iphone um yeah they're not they're not zooming in that like that so it's 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 important no. Yeah, I mean, printing, sometimes I print albums, sometimes, but it depends how big the album is, I guess, if you're only still doing a 12 by 12, it doesn't, the megapixel doesn't really matter these days, does it? Really? No. no. So that's, that actually brings me on to an interesting point, because imagine um, you were starting out now. Um, okay. Imagine that you could go, and you took your advice that you have to get a certain amount of kit at a certain level and then education to to get the best use of that kit bearing in mind what you know 
So it's a little bit cheating. Where would you even begin to look for the right advice on what kit to get, uh, who to speak, who to listen to? Like, because <laughs> there's so yeah. much conflicting information out there, isn't there? Yeah, I think this is this is where things have changed. Um, okay. I, I don't know what you, how you found it when you first started. But when I first started, there was barely any information um, out there. There was barely, yeah, there there was barely any YouTube videos on how to do anything on photography. Um, And the the videos that were there were very basic. Um, I think Creative Live was the only one that that, that currently had an education platform. And then you had to pay quite expensive, quite a lot to get that information or you had to watch literally live hence the name um and workshops were very few and far between um but nowadays uh, you, you know th- that has totally changed and you're almost in a situation now where you've got too much information um fair point i think if i was if i was advising someone now i would probably suggest to them that they find somebody whose work they respected who might be in the position they want to be in a few years time and see if they'll mentor them um that's or if they do some sort of education uh, i think when you're starting out it's probably a better idea to learn from one person to begin with yeah um to give you that foundation to build upon um but i think once you've reached a certain level and again that level will vary depending on people and once you get to the point where you want to find your own style um, Mm. of photography at that point you do need to take from different people um and and sort of you know take a little bit of what they say take a little bit from what they say and then blend it together to make it your own but at the beginning, yeah, I think one person would give you that that consistent, you know, learning rather than that's really someone telling you to use Zoom, someone telling you to Zoom use yeah, Primes, you know. That's it, isn't it? And 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 from working, you're going to find out what works best for you. Absolutely, yeah. Because I think back when I started, I I was on a crop sensor, single card slot because they didn't have dual card slots. Yeah, yeah. It was actually the first proper camera uh, digital camera that i had was a 20d now i don't know if you remember that that digital camera the canon, was before my time canon, <laughs> honestly mate the screen was this big and it was single cf card slot um and i had a sigma 28 to 200 f something to something it was yeah yeah, yeah. but there's not many people to to talk yeah. about this thing and a lot of it you wing in yourself and and then i went up to a 7d and i got uh i got the 7 24 to 70 equivalent because it's still crop factor and at that point if i'm honest if, I, if i'm completely honest i mean this was back what 2008 to, well that's when i had the 20d i didn't really know enough and then I, all this started full frame became the thing that everyone had to have you had to have full frame. Full frame got you got better kit. So I was obsessed with getting a full frame camera. That was my obsession. And then when the 5D Mark III came out, I lobbed three and a half grand on it. And I was like, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I always say that. I've not I always say I've not said it for a long time now because um I, I don't often get involved at that level anymore. But I, I always used to say that unless you know 
why you want to go full frame, yeah. what you end up doing is getting exactly the same photos with just slightly less grain. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that ultimately, unless you learn how to see light, know how to use your camera. Yeah. Yeah. All you're going to do is exactly the same photos. It's just the ISO is going to be a bit cleaner. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, now the mirrorless is out. The size of the body isn't as big a deal as it was, because I know that that was the argument, wasn't it? You have smaller bodies for smaller sensors sometimes. But... Yeah, I don't think I ever had an issue with the camera size. If anything, now, I think the mirrorless ones are a bit too small. Um, yeah. I, certainly on the A9, I have issues with it fitting yeah. in my hand all day. You know, and I never, I think when I first started out, I never really appreciated people arguing about ergonomics. But now, you know, when you're holding a camera in your hand for like eight, nine, ten hours a day, you start realizing that actually, it, you know, ergonomics does matter because otherwise my arm really hurts at the end of the day. Yeah, so this is it for me. I would say that, especially when we work for so long, the ergonomics are massively important. Reliability is massively important, almost as important as, the, as what the camera can do. I mean, obviously, you want it to be able to autofocus where you tell it to. That 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 is also key. Yeah, but um, yeah. it doesn't matter that you, your camera doesn't need doesn't need to be six grand to to do those things. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, and, I, and I think nowadays coming back to the gear thing, I know we sort of segued into business <laughs> yeah. a bit, um, but. Oh. The new features do give you opportunities now that mm. I think previously you couldn't have. Yeah. Um, and the big one is silent shooting. Um, yeah. And one of the reasons I jumped into the A9 when it first came out was because it was the first camera that you could fully shoot silent at any shutter speed without the warping and banding, which is a bit, a bit of a geeky thing. But um, no, no, talk about it. it, it it's, a, it's a big thing. Well, um, I have a. a a counterpoint to that because you don't have an a7 III, do you? Uh, I do, but oh, you we do? don't use it for photos, we use it for video, right? Okay, because it's my main body now. Uh, yeah. for but I love the silent shooter shutter, but you can't really use it at all, exactly, unless everyone's stood still and you're shooting at 100, 100th of a second, 100th of a second, exactly. And uh, which I do sometimes do in the right circumstances, but that for a wedding, those circumstances are very limited. Yes. So I would argue that my camera, compared to the your camera, is is worse in that sense. It you know, yes, I can use. Well, it, yeah, yeah, it's it's a very good camera for the price. The A seven three is insanely good value. It is. Um, but where weddings are concerned, there is there is absolute value in having that silent shutter which wasn't a thing absolutely before yeah. The A9. Um, yeah. and the frustrating thing about the a7 III is is the mechanical shutter is stupidly loud it's like a gun going off yeah especially in a ceremony where everyone's been really quiet and that's it's a lot louder than the canons were and i know the new sony's they've got better at it yeah. so yeah uh, I think this is the thing when you are able to shoot silent and uh, this is something which uh, is something I've been doing for a long time, but I think uh, watching some videos from um, Lanny and Erica Tuman, they, they sort of phrased it in a way that made a lot more sense to me that, mm. um, you know, people say I shoot an insane number of photos at a wedding 
and you know real photographers will anticipate the moment and and you know right. if they can do that that's great but um as, as, as Lanny and Erica say we're just not good enough for that so yeah. you know we we shoot more um and and it's the same you know during those key moments where you don't know if something's going to happen or not being able to shoot through that moment silently yeah. just helps you know you know a few things i've caught just because i've shot through the moment yeah and the bride and groom do something instantaneous afterwards you know and if yeah. i had not been shooting through it i wouldn't have got it the other um time it's helped is i remember once i was in a very small um room um registry office for shooting and i was literally stored um about a foot maybe foot and a half behind the registrar and it meant that i was practically shooting over a shoulder the entire right ceremony right. now if i had that shutter on it would have been annoying you'd have been told very quickly to yeah. stop shooting yeah but i was on um, at one point i was literally my camera was next to her ear and i was firing off 20 30 photos at a time wow. and it's fully silent so yeah. you know they didn't even notice you were there that is an awesome thing and that's something which technology has allowed us to do now which again you know 10 years ago it would have been unthinkable yeah i mean so just to to state because the, the a9's what it's about two and a half grand isn't it uh i think so something like that something like yeah. that whereas the a set certain places you can get it for that and the a7 three you can get it for one and a half yeah one seven i want to say but i'm not sure yeah so if if money's an issue the a7 three is a fantastic camera for what it is absolutely yeah but at the same time if silence is something that you want the a9 is is the bullpark yeah. right now i think if you're a documentary you are almost forced to shoot more frames to try and capture yeah. that decisive moment yeah. so that's when when the a9 is worth a lot more to you yeah. um, worth the extra should i say whereas i think if you're more sort of like you know i deliver great portraits i deliver yeah. you know cracking group shots and and the rest of the day i'll just click away um and there's no you know there's no shortage of people who genuinely do that and there's nothing wrong with that as a business no. model um for those people an a7 III is going to save you a grand um, yes you know. and you can get a good lens with that yeah which absolutely is fantastic yeah uh, but this kind of bleeds into the the whole premise of why I wanted to speak to you about this, because it really does depend on your own circumstances. There's no right or wrong, but I don't want, what I'd want people to know is that whatever decision they end up making, it's going to be right for their circumstances. Um, I think there's quite a bit of information out there that tells people that there is a right and a wrong way to do things. And I don't necessarily think that's fair. If, would, would, would you agree with that? Would you think that it's... It is um, I think people are often quick to say this is the right way mm. um, without... And maybe this isn't just photography related. This is more life-related now. Absolutely. Without sort of realising there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. Um, and primes versus zooms is one of those, you know, situations, you know, where people right. are always going, oh, primes, prime, primes, and... And yeah, I've, I've, I flip-flopped over the years, you know, so I can shoot both. Um, yeah. I think last, you know, obviously 2019, 2020, we didn't shoot many weddings, but in 2019, I think I sort of just got to the point where I was like, look, 
I'm going to go Zooms. Yeah. Um, 2021, and I've just um, I've just decided today, and in fact, I've completely redesigned my kit bag just to make sure everything's there. Um, and, and I'm going back to Primes again, um, just because I want to lighten the load. Um, and that's the main thing. I, I don't want to carry those big heavy lenses anymore. So I've no. got my, you know, small Primes, and I'm just going to, um, you know, focus on, on using them. It really, yeah, for me, it, it really is a personal experience and it is there's the, the, there's a little bit of snobbery about primes over zooms to with it especially within weddings and part of that's to do with the speed of the lenses and, and and how wide they can be but for me if my 70 to 200 was really light i would have that <laughs> with me all day yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting one because when, again, when I first started, the argument between primes and zooms was always that prime lenses obviously opened wider, mm. but one of the big arguments at the time was always primes were sharper, letting more light. And I think over the years, it's interesting because that difference has, has gone now where you mm. can get zooms now, which are more than sharp enough you know yeah. i've got some great zooms that are so sharp you'd never be able to tell the difference yeah um and as that excuse i'll call it has fallen away you've now seen the prime people argue that well you know it makes me think more about composition okay um, it makes life harder for me so it forces me to think more about competition uh, composition and yeah, but it sounds like you've moved the goalpost to me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because when I first started, nobody ever used to say to me, I use primes because it helps me compose my shots better. It was always they're sharper, they're, you know, they're letting more light. Um, so, yeah, and it always strikes me as a bit funny that the, the one of the justifications for using primes is because it makes your life harder, which makes yeah. no sense to me. <laughs> I mean, no, I can completely understand that. I, I do get that that argument because i use primes and i feel like it does focus my brain with composition but at the same time when i when i do other photography and i use my 16 to 35 zoom or i use my 70 to 200 for different jobs i, I end up going oh this is really nice i should use this more at weddings uh, i really like the look of this because i'm not used to it and it there's no <laughs> there's no right or wrong no there's if not no if there's you're not. delivering the best work that you can with whatever kit you've got and this is the point with whatever kit you've got turning up is that just being present is, is half of the job right so yeah. but if, but if then new kit gets you gets you better that's fine too if you yeah I, yeah I know exactly what you're saying and I think this comes back again to the old education thing doesn't it yes. whereas I know now if I'm going out shooting bride and groom portraits that I can take for example an 85 mil with me to take portraits yeah. but there are situations where I'd rather take the 70 to 200 and compress that background yeah. but unless I knew what I was doing yeah I wouldn't know to do that no. um, and then the look I get from that is going to be very different to the 85 and then you know um a few weeks ago i did an engagement shoot and i, I took the 35 85 with me and there were situations where i was stood there thinking oh, 
wish I had my 2470 because I need this shot wider. Yeah. I'm stood at the edge of this rock here and yeah. I can't go any further back. And um, how true is that within certain ceremony rooms? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's possibly a more acute problem for wedding photographers because we find ourselves in different situations that we've got no control over. Maybe if you're a landscape photographer, you only need one zoom or... or, or... Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I'm not a landscape photographer, so I can't speak for them, but I would assume that they need less gear than we do um, because we've got to almost cover every eventuality yeah. and things that might go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and I would never turn up uh, even when I do shoot primes, um, I would still turn up with a zoom lens just in case yeah. that room's too small or the registrar tells me to stand somewhere random. Um, you know, yes, I, I've been stood at the back of churches before so far away that I've had to use a 7200. Otherwise, yeah. you know, one was, um, you know, uh, it was a cathedral um, and, the, and the vicar was like, or whoever it was, priest, whatever, I, I never know what they're called. It was like, right, you stand right at the back. And I was literally at 200 mil. And I was thinking, I know you don't want to hear me, but I think you're going a bit too far here. Yeah. <laughs> can barely see the couple. Yeah, so you you almost have to have those eventualities covered, really. Yeah. Um, I, I would argue, I've, I've shot with a few second shooters who have only turned up with primes that only cover up to 50 mil, which is fine because they're my second shooter. But at the same time, I'm like, if you turn up at a wedding like that, I, I'd be scared. Yeah. You wouldn't because I'm not saying that the, that they they might get away with it necessarily, but at the same time, why would you put yourself in that position where that's all you know? Yeah. You but it, there is an element also when you, especially when you're first starting out, um, and also some established photographers, you you suffer from something called is it unconscious incompetence, where you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know that you should have a different lens in this situation because you don't have the skill or the yeah. understanding to realise that. Yeah. And I think as you go on and the education kicks in, you realise that actually I do need a better lens now because yeah. I know in this situation that lens is the wrong choice. Yeah. And, and I and I suffer from this. When I first started out, I, I, I well, when I say I first started out, when I first had the brainwave of, oh, why don't I shoot, become a wedding photographer? My second thought was, well, I've already got the camera and it was a very basic um, camera at the time with kit lens, of course, and the pop-up flash. And, and I thought that's all I needed to shoot a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I already had the camera, just need a wedding. It is all you need, a little pop-up, little, little. <laughs> oh, mate, bless you. Yeah. So that actually, that is uh, fascinating when you uh, go, uh, going back to the prime situation with them being sharper, I remember having some education from a really famous wedding, remember but she was famous at the time sorry um she for the for the reasons that we probably use primes she used 135 on the long end mm -hmm. canon the canon f2l and i bought one because of that education definitely lighter i wanted that f2 look but do you know what i found with it and it and it was through using it and then through researching it instead of just taking her word for it. I found that the lens ended up being really unreliable on the focusing end, especially at F2. So you end up being at F2.8 most of the time, but then it would still be, it was still too long and it didn't have image stabilization. 
I ended up leaving it in my bag more than I didn't. Be and I had a 70 to 200 F4 at the time, so it's half the light or even more than that. Um, and I'd use that more often because it would hit more. And that was a circumstance where I took somebody's experience that worked for them. Yep. And ended up it was being a waste of money in the end. I think, but I think I kept that lens for like years just because I was like, one day this lens will be the lens that I wanted to be, and it never was, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up getting the 7200 f2.8, and that was insane, but also ridiculously heavy. Um, so there are times when I, well, I, I don't want to say that I wasn't good enough for the lens, but I, I think that lens... Um, no, I think there are certain lenses which are worse to focus than others. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've had some where they just take such a long time to focus that you give up. Yes, it, you missed the moment. Uh, yes. I think the, the 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 classic one was always the eighty five one point two on the Canon, wasn't it? It, yeah. it was. It just took an eternity to focus. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that you know, people love that look, but it it was just too slow for weddings. Half yeah, the time. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did get some good shots with the one three five at f two, but I was miles away from the from whatever I was doing, and you don't have that. There was just times when I was just like, this lens is not for me. Maybe I'm yeah. not a prime user, but then, then the 85 is perfect for me in that sense. But I don't know. It's just one of those things, isn't it? But that takes me beautifully onto, you were talking, just digress then, but you were talking about when you first, when you started and you got that camera. Let's move on to that a little bit. Let's talk okay. about your, sure. if that's all right. I think we've pretty yeah, much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think we've done kit to death. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe people on here are expecting us to say which 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 camera they should get the A one, the Sony A one, or the R three. That's just if, if you if you're loaded, get the A one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that's not what we're here for. Um, so you started out. You were working full time. Tell tell us your story, mate. Come on. Okay, so yeah, I think this. Gosh, this goes all the way back to the um, the financial crash, I guess. Oh, really? Okay. Work, yeah, I've been working for, like most people, um, yeah. working, working, working. And like many at the time, we just hadn't seen any pay rises for several years just because, you know, things were hard and, yeah. you know, you were more concerned about keeping a job rather than pushing for a pay rise. Yeah, um, and, of course, living costs rise. My kids were getting slightly a bit older. The costs go up. And yeah, I was. Um, I went to a friend's wedding with my now wife. Um, at the time, we were just dating. Um, but I took my camera because we didn't really know anyone else. We knew like one other person there, okay. and obviously the couple. Yeah. Um, so I just sort of snapped away. Uh, being a wedding photographer, honestly, had never crossed my mind ever. I can safely say that. Um, and I was just snapping away because there was nothing else to do. You know, I didn't really know many people. Um, and as it happens, they preferred the photos I took over uh, the photographer who they had paid a decent, even by nowadays standards, a decent amount of money. Um, and, it, and he was a very established photographer at the time. Um, it wasn't someone they just found on Facebook. You know, he, he was a very known name in the area. Um, and they just didn't like his photos and they preferred mine. And uh, I remember driving back from their house and I was thinking, you know, I just need a few of these weddings a year and I could pay for a family holiday. Yeah. And that was really how I got started. I, that was my, I didn't, 
you know, that was my light bulb moment. I hadn't any idea. I had no idea how I was ever going to do this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just thought I've got the camera already. I just need a little bit of education. Yeah. So yeah, I signed up to a local photography course at, um, at Sutton College. Nice. Was a, a mixed blessing. Um, you know, it, it was one of your very traditional photography courses. Okay. Taught me absolutely well, not absolutely nothing. Very little to do with shooting weddings. Yeah. Um, but then through that, I met someone who then put me onto a different course. Okay. Uh, more about shooting events and that sort of opened my eyes and then I started you know realizing I needed better lenses better flashes and, and so on and so forth um, and it all sort of built from there really um, that's amazing yeah and I got my first wedding uh, about a year later um, yeah. and, and actually coming back to gear very quickly um, <laughs> my very first wedding I because I read at the time you know you've got to back up your, your your single card slot yeah so I, I took that out of the wedding breakfast plugged it into my computer and it just opened up explorer was just full of gobbledygook when i opened it up and i had a major corruption on my very first wedding what happened what did you do yeah. well i threw a battery of um like recovery tools at it and i recovered all but about 30 photos oh. and then some of them i had to manually photoshop really a lot to sort of get get bits of corruption back but um, yeah that sort of taught me a very big lesson that you you know so if anyone says you don't need dual card slot nowadays it, i just think oh, it's god yeah you know, had that that moment where your world sort of stops well there's like, oh, the, the, there was mate bless you i don't i, I mean i've been there but yeah um yeah. There's research out there, isn't there, that, that, that you're more likely to um, hit a card failure the more you shoot? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. So it makes sense, really. But the actual the science is there that that's, that's the case. You're more, it's more likely yeah. to So, yeah. So, anyway, no, no, like I said, not all about gear. Um, that's how I, I first got started. Yeah. And you've loved it ever since? Um, I think it's one of those things that the more I learned, the more I sort of got into it. And uh, it, and it really sounds like a cheese, cheesy thing to say, but it, shooting weddings is almost become like a thing that, you know, uh, it, like a passion, you know, it, it's, it's something I enjoy, you know, at the time I've been working years and years and years in IT and it was fine because I didn't know any better. Um, but I think since the wedding sort of took hold and I'd sort of started building my own business up, it, it made me realize that, hang on, I'm working for somebody else here. Mm. And what I do at the end of the day, because I worked for a very big company, mm. um, didn't really matter. Do you know what I mean? If I, if I didn't turn up tomorrow, the day after, a week after, it's a minor inconvenience for the company. Do you know what I mean? But they'll, they'll soldier on and yeah. they've got enough resources that, ultimately you know i'm not having a massive impact on the bottom line no. whereas i think at a wedding you are generally the photographer yes. you know if you've got a second you know that they're there because of you anyway yeah. um and the the sort of appreciation and the job satisfaction you get out of delivering photos and the gratitude that customers have when you've captured those moments for them it, was- it just far outweighs that you know that spreadsheet that you filled in for the company you know what i mean so yeah I so over the years i think 
my interest sort of carried on building up and and the interest in my job falling like that went the other way brilliant yeah that's an awesome story though man that's wicked do you um so if it's okay to talk a little bit about this because we did sure. make at the start but you recently uh, left your full-time job whatever it was you were doing you've left that haven't you yeah absolutely yeah so i think it was a long time coming um if anything i i wussed out of making that that decision okay um, i think i was fortunate enough that the business could have stood on its own two feet three or four years ago right um That's so cool. for three or four years i've been fortunate enough to have a decent income from my job mm. and a decent income from the photography okay um, but the 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 job like i say my interest has just waned in that right. and every right. year that went on it just waned a bit more to the point where over the last two or three years it's just not been my heart's not been in it yeah um, so i think things got to the point over the last year with you know covid and everything and all the lockdowns and i think a lot of people myself included sort of took stock of the situation and thought what do you want out of life yeah. You know, is this what I really want to be juggling yeah. and and working for a job that I no longer enjoy? Yeah, um, yeah. No, not really. Yeah. So yeah, at that point they 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 offered uh, it, it, everything sort of fitted in nicely because they they then went through a round of voluntary redundancies. Oh, okay. And offered you know a bit you know a little bit of a payout. It wasn't it, it wasn't anything life changing or anything like that. Um, it was nice to have. We right? give you a bit of money if you leave and uh, any volunteers. So I sort of bravely stuck my hand up um, and yeah, here I am. And I think how many weeks this is about the third or fourth week. Um, how you and so it? far, so far I'm loving it. I'm <laughs> absolutely loving it. It is feels like a weight's been lifted off me. Oh, okay. I was going to say um, that because there's no work for you right now. So you're actually just. <laughs> I feel like I've retired. <laughs> I feel like I've retired. Every morning I wake up at the crack of nine o'clock. <laughs> Most people will, who get into wedding photography and stick with it, because there are some people that decide it's not for them, and that's absolutely fine. Most people that will stick with it will probably decide at some point they're either going to go part-time and, and continue to do their nine-to-five um, and then do weddings at the weekend, and then at a certain point, they'll hopefully go full time. Would you, having worked so long as what we call a weekend warrior, sorry, I shouldn't keep saying that. Would you argue that there are benefits to, 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 to juggling both? Or do you think it really is about getting full time as quickly as possible? What? Um, I think it depends on what you want out of it. Um, yeah. I think this is one of those professions which is uh, and because you generally are self-employed yeah. you can make it what you want it to be um so some people decide that it's a very flexible job so they'll fit it around their young family and yeah. shoot a smaller number of weddings to just help bring in a bit more income whilst their partner for example has the full-time job yeah, other yeah. people want to make it a full-time job and that's fine i would actually say that if you can juggle both like i was able to for years um there's you know juggle both you know because you're getting the best of both worlds yeah um you you then get you know double income in, in effect if you can build it up to the point like i had where you yeah. you were shooting pretty much just as many as a full-time wedding photographer and my job was flexible enough to allow me to have that time off 
It is, so, you know, they... It, sorry, it is that a little bit, isn't it? It's that some people might not have that flexibility within their nine to five. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I was fortunate enough where, you know, the company did give me time off if I needed it. I could purchase extra holidays, which I could then use to shoot weekday weddings because I very quickly realized it was cheaper for it was financially better for me to shoot a weekday wedding um, and sacrifice the salary for yeah. that day off yeah yeah um, so that really helped financially um, and yeah wh whilst that happened I think that allowed us to also have other benefits you know I think uh, you know especially people who see me post on Facebook and stuff because I am technically minded i talk a lot about gear yeah. people assume that i always just spent all my money on gear but the reality <laughs> was far from the truth um you know we we were lucky enough that we could put a lot of money aside which has really helped financially over the years um so we could have you know the the, the, the slightly nicer things in life we could you know finally afford those nicer holidays that we've always wanted yeah but that was at the cost of juggling both yes um, and i think because my children are now older, yeah. we're able to do that. Um, if my children were young, um, I'm not sure I would. I would probably either cap the weddings at a small number mm. because ultimately you still need to be there at weekends to yeah. go out and you know have family days out. But nowadays, my kids are at the age where you know two of them have pretty much moved out, um, and the youngest. He's 14, so all he needs is uh, working Wi-Fi and money in his pocket. Um, <laughs> that's what he needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless you. Well, that's awesome, man. Seriously, that because I mean, I I went full time in. I don't even remember what it was now. I, <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that because it was so long ago. I'm saying that because just this year has kind of spun everything around, hasn't it? Um, I think it was like 24. 14 25th no can't. I, I don't even know I went part so, quite some time then yeah quite I, some time you've been yeah I went part-time for two and a half years which was really helpful yeah. and I was really lucky that the business I worked for the NHS at the time and it was really lucky that they were flexible enough to do that and that really helped me build um and then I just went you know what sod it I'm gonna go and I probably wasn't ready at the time if I'm honest with you um I probably should have left it another year, but I've done it and I'm here and I'm still standing and I'm still here after COVID, which, you know, has been painful for all of us. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, but yeah. I really appreciate that, man. It's a, it's a good start. No, I think, uh, I think nowadays, I think uh, the other thing I've seen over the years is I think attitudes towards people who are doing it part-time now, let's call it the, mm. the, the, the weekend warrior moniker, yeah has used to be used as a bit of an insult. Um, it did, didn't it? You know, it where, really did. Yeah, oh, you know, you're a weekend warrior, what do you know? But I think attitudes have changed in the last few years Good. to the point where I think a lot of, one of the things that surprised me, I remember, you know, during COVID, you know, various discussions on Facebook groups and a lot of people who would identify themselves as full-time actually had different income streams. So really? you could argue you know in effect they were also weekend warriors but they just decided to call themselves full-time so i think that, you know there is a point where you, you a lot of people nowadays have more than one income stream and if covid's sort of taught us anything is that you know you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket um well so i think as time goes on i think that's normal people are starting to realize that judgment is not necessary and should never have been necessary in that sense yeah. 
Uh, yeah. I think one of the things that has struck home with me is that we were lucky in that in when COVID hit, I was still employed. So I had yeah. that salary come in yeah. to pay the bills um, because inadvertently, we hadn't considered this from a risk point of view, but the wife, as you know, is now a full-time wedding videographer because she gave up her job several years ago right. to the, to find a different because she didn't like she didn't like her job anymore mm. um so she eventually fell into wedding videography um so we were both in the wedding industry in effect wow um, so when pan the pandemic hit had we both been she's full-time if i'd have been full-time as well we'd have been in that same financial pickle where yes. we're like, oh yeah of course oh dear yeah. um but having that full-time job which I've now given up the security of um you know it does scare me a bit so I, I am already thinking of other other, um, other streams so I've started uh, and it's purposely kept small right now but I have started doing some uh, website designs for for other companies oh, other cool. photographers that sort of thing um, it's not designed to be big at the moment just because I realize that with the amount of weddings I've got for the remainder of 21 and 22 there's no way i could suddenly take on you know 10 15 websites you know so yeah. it'll be like one or two at a time um, just in the background whilst and it just you know if something happened again it's something that i can then build upon it's smart it's smart yeah. it's, uh and that might be it's just putting more than one egg in one basket that's yeah. all it is um and that might be something for people to think about if yeah. they aren't quite at the point where they're taking the jump, it might be like, well, yeah. yes, do it. Because we, I absolutely am not discouraging anyone from doing it because it's an amazing job. But you might find yourself where you aren't. So I've been in situations where a couple of years, randomly, I've not had a wedding for five months. It's just been, that's just been the, my, the year. Um, and one of the ways I fixed that well, I feel like I fixed that. Is I've, I've offered an off-season discount, which I think helps a little bit. But at the time, I loved it because I was like, oh, I've got five months to do whatever I want. But ultimately, when it comes to the cash flow side of things, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. So there, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are times when that can happen. Uh, and maybe having another, uh, another revenue stream isn't a bad yeah. idea. Yeah, and I think what you were saying before, that will help you smooth out those peaks and troughs because yeah. when I look at my cash flow projections, the summer months <laughs> are insane. But yeah. of course, they've got to see you through those lean January, February months where, yeah. you know, you're lucky if you get a wedding. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, you know, someone's inquired and it's, they're getting married in January. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's like amazing. They um, are there. Yeah. They are there, but think, they're also freezing. Yeah. So... You know, you have to think, mm, <laughs> I love doing winter weddings, but I do. they're not I the do. same as summer weddings. They're completely different kettle of fish. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think if there was one thing I'd say to anyone who was considering either entering photography or whether they should make the switch or not, is that you've really got to have the business side of it nailed. Um, and that is far more important than the actual photography. Completely agree with you. Yeah. completely agree with you and that's <laughs> something that i learned the wrong way and the hard way uh but it can be done even badly however 
I absolutely do. If if you're gonna spend on education, like Johnny, the last guy that we that I spoke to, his top advice was get a good accountant, which if you need it, absolutely. But yeah, get the business advice, spend maybe educate, spend on courses for that and or pay some. Yeah, I think nowadays you, you can get that. Um you can get people who will give you the business advice as well from from other wedding photographers yeah. um I, i'll always remember it was like um another light bulb moment um where i'd been doing it for about a year trying to build up the business and i wasn't really getting anywhere if i'm honest i, I remember trying to I, I, at the time i would have shot for anything for any price um because i was so hungry to be established and, yeah. and, and get that portfolio yeah um and no matter what i did i just couldn't seem to get a booking um, you know, hard, and i'll always remember i was sitting there i had my head in my hands and i was thinking right. i don't know what to do here okay. i can't you know the the, the some people are going to the more established photographers other people are saying I'm too expensive, even though I would shoot it for anything. Um, <laughs> I can't win. Um, and it suddenly dawned on me that I needed to start treating it like a business. So yeah. rather than trying to treat it as I just want to shoot a wedding, I just want to shoot a wedding, I want to shoot a wedding. Um, I started thinking about it in terms of, right, okay, if this was a business problem, what would I do? Right, I need to think about my marketing. How do I market myself? Oh, well, how does that, how does that happen? And, and just daft stuff like, you know, how do I project myself? Well, my website's terrible. Why is it terrible? Because I thought 50 quid for a, a web theme was too expensive. Um, and my web host, because I was too tight to pay £5 a month, um, I oh, found God, a, a free web host. It sounds so much like me. when I and, and it didn't work. You know, my <laughs> website was slow. It looked terrible. And then I was sitting there thinking, why aren't people booking me? Yeah. Um, so yeah so once I'd made that mental flip I realized that these are in business investments yes so then I started paying for you know the a logo someone to design me a logo I paid for a website theme that looked nice I paid for someone who hosts my website that was faster I started paying for some small advertising and slowly but surely things started to change yeah. Um, so yeah that is definitely something that I would advise not just photographers but any business person you've got to nail the business side first yeah that's perfect advice mate that's really good thank you yeah. last thing give me a positive covid take um i think uh, what i said already um yeah. the last the past year has really given people opportunity to sort of take stock of what they want from life um, I know I certainly did and I realized that you know I don't, I don't want to be sat here in another five years time sat at my desk thinking right you know I've got I've done this spreadsheet and I've done that report um, and just stuff that frankly I don't care about anymore um, yeah. I, I, I stopped caring years ago if I'm honest and I'm sure my colleagues have seen that change yeah. um, in the past five years or so um, that my enthusiasm for work just wasn't there anymore um so yeah it, 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 i think i think we'll look back on this with rose tinted spectacles in in years to come maybe not now interesting but in a few years yeah. i think we'll look back on it and think do you remember that year where you know wedding photographers had the entire summer off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had saturdays off yeah um, remember the following year when everything got 
you had to shoot. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think in, in, in all seriousness, I think, yeah, um, having that time to pause, mm. um, reprioritize your life and make a plan for the future, I think is, has been certainly invaluable for me. Um, and I think from what I hear, I'm not the only one who's done that. No, absolutely. Fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Enjoy yeah. the rest all of right, the mate. day. All right, mate. Take care. Catch you later. Bye-bye.